are you, my friend? I'm good. Not too shabby. Just what's uh, new? What's new? What's new in the B ham today? Let's see. We're going to see David Sedaris tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So he yeah. he he comes through every few years on book tours. So he's we try great. to catch him. He is great. Like he's just. It's so that, funny. Yeah. That cadence alone just makes me cackle. And I love his sister, Amy. I mean, she's one of the funniest people on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You see, he's kind of like a uh, I guess our our contemporary Mark Twain, right? Um, you know, but but he writes more about his family than well, anything sure, else. Sure. You know, um, I don't think he really, you know, and, and Jill absolutely has every book he's ever published so she could speak more to this than i can i've yeah. i've i've flipped through some of his essays over the years and they they make me again we, when we go to see him but yeah i just uh he, he's he's his humor is definitely a well you know i want to say acerbic but i i think that that's not true necessarily it's just there's just something again he's he's very good at delivery Mm -hmm, sure you know what i mean like he just he knows how to hit a line just Mm -hmm. right and how to we when we saw him the gosh about five or six years ago when he came through he said something very important to the audience i felt where he said i'm going to read you this essay that I had published in, you know, the New Yorker, but, you know, I want to let people know, cause I get asked this question all the time about writing. And he's like, I had to write like 26 drafts of this before they would publish it. And, you know, as I was at the time, let that be a lesson kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Struggling to finish my dissertation. You know, at the time I was just like, Oh, thank God. Someone right someone understands yeah someone understands you're not alone you know it's just like it's just in i i i say that because that's just so important you know when you're struggling to complete something especially when it's writing involved and it's writing intensive and you just you're locked in the bubble and you're all by yourself yeah it's so important for someone especially successful sit there and go oh yeah i'd write 26 drafts of this before i would be completely done done i'm like oh bless bless you sir yeah i mean i you know i i tell the students what i was taught which is this writing is rewriting right i mean and it's just it's just that process right so but yeah it's i agree with you it's it's awesome when you hear you know big success stories and somebody who's such a cultural um presence you know like him uh talk about the process in that way It, it really validates you know everything that all the educators are saying across the country, you know, like <laughs> about it. Yes. Um, well, yes, you know, you know as yes. maybe, maybe that AI chat bot can reproduce my writing better than I can. I suppose. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you never know. You never know, Jeff. It's only going to get better, right? The technology is only going to get more and more refined. Well, we are going tonight to see a show uh, on campus uh, called Mythologies, Okay. Uh, by uh, a former student at UAH, uh, Danae Vlasse, um, who uh, won uh, the 2022 Grammy for classical vocal for the show oh, wow. uh, that she's going to be performing tonight. And so okay. we're um, we're real excited about you know you, you're doing the uh, you're doing the Dave Sedaris. We're doing the mythologies. We're we're uh, supporting our culture and our art uh, in our That's respective. Right. 
in the BHAM and the HSV. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we are patrons. So, so, as so well it's as practitioners. Yes. So it is HSV. It's not like Hville or. Uh, you know, I don't. That that may exist. Uh, that that sl- uh, that slang, but um, I, I haven't heard it. So oh, okay, yeah. well that's yeah. fair. That's yeah. fair. Well, we uh, we're lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. On this show, we review movies. This week, we've got two very interesting films. I think <laughs> uh, uh, to, to at least one of them. At least one of them is interesting. Oh boy, I can't wait. Uh, you um, asked for this. I I did. I did <laughs> ask for it. Uh, we're going to talk about the whale. Darren Aronofsky's 2022 film starring Brendan Fraser. Uh, and uh, then we're going to talk about Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson's 2021 film uh, that we're probably going to get into a little bit of a debate. Debacle. About. Debacle. Oh, debacle. He starts it. This he starts it already. It. So with that, let's 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 start with the whale, though. Let's I, 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 oh, I'd, okay. I'd like to all start right, with right. the whale. All right. all right. OK. Because right. I've got to be honest, like right out of the bat, like. This is why I love Darren Aronofsky. And you know it's a Darren Aronofsky picture when a guy is furiously masturbating on a couch in the opening scene of the film. (laughs) Right there at the beginning. Um, I mean, right off the bat, man. Yeah, it it really just sort of sets you up, right? That, um, you know, I mean, it's actually a very relevant character, like sort of, you know, trait uh, that it's not necessarily what he's doing, but what he's doing it to, you know, that is Mm -hmm. a reveal about the character. But um. Uh, but yeah, just letting you know that um, this movie is going to be about exposure yes. uh, and exposure to things that um, uh, are, are not something that you probably see or experience every day. So, uh, yeah, I'll jump in here. The Whale is um, an American drama uh, based on the play by Samuel D. Hunter. Um the film stars the wonderful Brendan Fraser, uh, who gives uh, an Oscar-winning performance uh, as a morbidly obese man named Charlie, who is trying to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter and come to terms with his own mortality. Uh, so um, the film opens up with Charlie weighing a little over 600 pounds um, and struggling to get out of bed and move around in his apartment. And he really doesn't have a lot of human contact except for his nurse, Liz, uh, you know, who is the sister of his former um, partner. Uh, And um, Liz comes by to check on him and take care of his daily needs. And he's also an online college writing instructor. And he spends a lot of his time interacting with his students uh, over the internet. Yes. Um, We see that Charlie's life has changed a lot when uh, Ellie, his daughter, played by the fantastic Sadie Sink from Stranger Things, uh, she shows up uh, at his apartment unannounced and Ellie is is really resentful towards him uh, for uh, feeling like he abandoned her and her mother years ago. And it is clear that there is quite a bit of unresolved emotional baggage, you know, between those characters. Um, but Charlie is determined in the movie to make things right. And he, you know, invites her to stay with him for a while so that they can then reconnect. And so the story is really kind of about their reconnection and Charlie's sort of acceptance of his own mortality and and you know and and regret and all you know and and release right of that regret this is a movie jeff that i told you know dana watched this with me and um uh, this was my second time seeing it um and uh, i i warned her at the very beginning before we start i said now listen and this is for the audience as well if you haven't seen this movie this is not a movie 
that is going to end well. Okay. I mean, this is a movie that this is not the, the, don't expect the montage where he's walking and working out and eating Subway every day and losing weight. Like that is Charlie has congested heart failure and he's, he's on his way to his, to his demise, his death. But this is, this is what we expect from Aronofsky though. You know, it's, it's like that, he, he's not into redemption songs, man. No, not at all. So, you know, but but people who aren't familiar with Aronofsky's work, because Jeff, you know, we've he's been around 20 plus years. I know, it's hard to um, believe. Uh, and he's done some some incredible films that I describe as journeys and experiences, because I mean that in the most earnest way, um, simply because they are going to take you into a world that you just haven't most likely been in uh yeah. and um and it's going to be horrifying at times it's going to be terrifying you know um and it's going to be gut-wrenching and i you know i cried several times in this movie mm-hmm. um it's extremely emotional and um you know it's just uh technically very well put together mm-hmm. um and it's shot very much like a stage play jeff you know I yes mean, you, it's, it's you, intimate you, it's yeah 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 they they i was going to ask you though is i i was unfamiliar until the credits rolled about it being adapted from a stage play were you familiar with this play a little bit a little bit okay yeah i i'd had i had no but it made sense you know once i got to reviewing my notes and thinking about it i was just like oh well you just put it in a room right. which which essentially it is here you know right. that we 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 never we stick our head out the door of the apartment but we never really leave the apartment or That's even right. the living room a few times maybe but essentially it's the living room yes and um, so how do you make a, a two hour movie interesting, right? Uh, when you've got yourself bound within one primary space, right? Throughout the, so, but, so I thought, you know, he, he did a fantastic job of, um, you know, cinematically interpreting the show. Um, and, uh, you know, there are just some really, really beautiful camera work going on. There's some really great camera work going on in this movie. Um particularly with the way it's gliding in and out of the kitchen and, and, you know, and around him, you know, it's, it's almost like he's this ship in water, right. That we're just kind of circling in a drone (laughs) in a way. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, obviously Brandon Fraser didn't weigh 600 pounds. It wasn't, you know, I mean, they, they did a lot of physical prosthetics. I mean, it was just, yeah, it was just really right. I mean, you had the same reaction, right? It was just like, my God, that is so well done. Like it just, it was just incredibly flawless. Yeah. And, and, and he, you know, as an actor, just being able to take that as a tool, you know, and, and, and you, you know, the, the extra grunts and the extra, you know, lean ins and the, and the, I mean, you feel all of that. It is, it is, it, you know, it's just an intense, experiment uh in in character study and just watching him work with you know with the tools that he was given um but you know uh aside from those wonderful sweeping moves that would happen you know other than that the camera is very is very is very still you know he mm-hmm. he has these wonderful composition uh moments um you know his framing is 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 so smart um and and he just allows these actors it's a great ensemble cast yes um and uh he just lets them do their thing and trusts that you know the the um the the dialogue trusts the script and yeah it just it's it takes you into that world and it and, and you know i struggled to have empathy for him 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, because, you know, we have that mentality in our culture of, you know, we'll just get off the couch and, you know, uh, you know, all you got to do is walk outside. And, you know, I mean, some of that is true, but there is uh, legitimacy in this film and lends legitimacy to understanding how someone can end up in this particular medical condition, right? Because it's Well, just- yeah, I was going to say the complexity of what brings him to the condition as our story evolves. Right. Um, and, you know, again, I knew going into an Aronofsky film that somehow religion will play a part um, <laughs> because he just, he just can't, that's just one of his things. I mean, it's one of his obsessions in life is, is understanding and, and, and breaking religion down and looking at a lot of hypocrisy. Uh, although I thought, I, I thought it was interesting, the approach here of uh, uh, one of my favorite moments is when the, the, the young man's trying to talk to Brendan Fraser about the Bible. And he's like, oh, I've read the Bible many times. You know, like, I mean, it's just, he's just so matter of fact about it, you know, and I'm just like, well, that's kind of, that's also Aronofsky speaking, you know, it was just like, and, and by the way, folks, I, I got through mother. So I feel like I, I get a cookie uh, for, for doing that, which is one of the most heavy handed metaphorical that I have ever sat through. Um, I mean, talk about just beating you up about religion. It's just, whew, I was so glad, but I was relieved with this, this. Because I was so afraid after mother, yeah, <laughs> you know, about like, is he just going to keep going here like yeah. all the time? This was this was a- actually refreshing, as weird as that is to say. Yeah, I think you know. Uh, well, I think it's handled delicately here. Um, I, I mean, it's certainly it's um, certainly religion's flaws are yes put on display right um but i but yeah um but i think in comparison to his previous work it's <laughs> yeah it's it's much more of a swipe as opposed to a chopping right like off of the head um I, well it's I, about I, I thought it was he's just taking the you know the role of intolerance right in in, in looking at you know and i i don't think this i i, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that the 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 journey that Brendan Fraser's character is on, you know, the life change that he makes, the family that he abandons. Um, these are complicated things, yes. and he, you know, he's not necessarily his resolution in the end of coming to at least the admittance of saying, "I made a mistake, I was in love," but haven't we all been in love? You know what I mean? Like I thought. I thought, you know, that's at least plausible uh, uh, that people sometimes in our lives we make, you know, I, I would say for anyone, just like, have you ever met that person in your life that you literally would do anything for, you know, and that's kind of, to me, at least that's where he was at. It's okay. I would kill for you, Jeff. Um, <laughs> the, uh, no, I, 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 I. I thought that the backstory, which we're referring to, right, that I don't want to give too much away in case somebody hasn't seen it and they're listening and they're going to watch it. Um, it's very, um, it's handled, um, you know, very sweetly. And it's it's really, it's such a tragic, I mean, I don't know, after sitting through that episode of Last of Us, you know, if that sort of gives you a, a hint, people, um, as to where it's going. But, but you know, it was, it really, it, it really 
comes back to that theme you said it uh tolerance you know and 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 intolerance um and um and and that sort of dynamic mixed in when people make poor choices right or or choices based on emotions and love and because love is not rational right i mean this is right. <laughs> um this is uh this is a known fact right it's not rational um so uh people do make irrational decisions and it it, it just it was a sweet story but then you also you know i um i'm just gonna say it uh you know he uh it was a student you know i mean it was a yeah. former student of his and so that that opened up a whole other like you know um uh you know well, area for, for our of, world yeah. yes yes you know. Um, you know, of course. And so, um, you know, given the context of how that uh, that unfolded, given to the world that you and I have had access to in education, we understand how that can happen. You know, I mean, and 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 um, and it's not a lascivious evil thing. It's you know, it's just something that naturally happens. But, yeah, that's a whole other, my point was that that was a whole other dimension, because then it really amplified those sequences for me of when he was interacting with his students you know in the mm -hmm. online classes um it it really sort of heightened that dramatic tension up to the point where you knew the blow up was coming right you know and he yeah. he starts to send that email to his students you know and i'm like bro right whatever the fuck there. you want we've right? all been like, there don't do it don't do it right right as, um, as even now uh, as we're knocking out the door of our final weeks of the semester right. trust me i'm very right. tempted give me something real <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh it's it's yeah it's the cry right for that um for that authenticity and that authentic moment but he also you know everyone he keeps his camera yeah yeah uh you know and so they're the his students are of course required to keep their cameras on but uh and we know that that's a toss back to the covid um that's a remnant of the covid teaching yes. era um because i remember when we first started doing teaching during covid that was the big discussion can we require our students to have their cameras on if we don't then you know i mean there was this whole like you know hubbub well, about it was it, it was but here it was, it's used strategically right i mean right but i mean it was that yeah, rule yeah. was centered around it was like we can't control inappropriate inappropriate like dress or right. you know people now are so used to you know they'll be in their jammies you know what i mean it was just like right. we were just really concerned with you know protecting honestly yeah the students yeah. uh in you know in in those scenarios right yeah, yeah it um it it just it was interesting so the, those moments as an educator those moments took me back to those covid times you know where it's like oh yeah i remember how miserable this was you know really for 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 everybody because you're desperately trying to you know to uh to connect right that face-to-face connection is lost right in that in that environment um it's it has to be produced in different ways and so but it's not the same and so uh i thought that 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 sort of um narrative setup was great for sort of you know really punching at that character tension you know because he just so wants that that sense of connection right i mean well, he, you know they're constantly rereading the student essay and trying to you know oh, man you know yeah. i mean those are just those are just really poignant uh, touches right um so anyway well, but I, uh, yeah go what ahead, it, go you know remnant artifacts of love towards questions of what is love you know an artifact so strong and again we have parallel again because aronofsky can't help himself we've got parallels here between you know the written word the bible 
things of that nature, finding strength in repeating certain passages, right? I mean, he just he just can't help himself. And and I I I I I I dug the parallels here because he's also choosing to use Moby Dick, mm-hmm. you know, as which is one of the more difficult novels in American literature uh, to penetrate. Uh, and credit to the to now did the did the 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 original play did, I couldn't remember did he co-write the screenplay also or uh, did he, I don't know yeah I don't know if yeah. he helped adapt it or not and I didn't look to see if Sam Hunter uh, was involved mm-hmm. at all um, so I you know I, I I don't know that could have uh, that could be in the show or it could be in the that's what I said like that, yeah, that's, that, that's where my curiosity yeah. lies is 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 what were the changes if any were made right uh, to sort of fit you know, Aronofsky's ideologies, you know, and what he's always trying to communicate about uh, uh, how, well, you know, what Samuel we Hunter believe- the playwright did write the screenplay. Okay. So what, what we do believe in and what, what, what facets of belief, you know, push us forward, you know, in, in how do we develop these beliefs and are these beliefs concrete uh, should we be ashamed of these beliefs? Should we be, you know, or should we embrace them? Or I mean, there, there's a lot of big questions in in the whale. It, it's 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 one of those that kind of sneaks up on you and smacks you in the back of the back of the head. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, uh, um, and uh, and and leaves you uh, in discussion, right? Any any time a movie is a journey or an experience, right? If you're still sitting in the same chairs or on your sofa or you're you know, even better if you're up and you're moving around and you're smoking a cigarette or something right. and you're going, you know, but what about this? And what about that? You know, if a movie is making you do that, then it, the, you know, then it has those deep philosophical pullings uh, like we're like we're talking about. Right. Um, And so you want to ask yourself those questions. I did. I did eventually develop a lot of empathy for him, you know, once I understood his story, you know, and, and I think that there was a takeaway for me there too, you know, all about um, the idea of, is the whale a really a horror movie? Because Charlie is clearly seen by some as a monster. Sure. Okay. His daughter Um, sees him as a monster. Absolutely. People, if people in society just viewing his outward appearance would see him as a monster. And what do we do with monsters? Right. We ostracize them. We, we, um, we heighten, heighten our fears through pointing out the difference in physicality or in, you know, in look or in speech or in right. like all the difference. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And what that does is it keeps us from seeing all of the similarity. Right. And so, as soon as you start to see the monster as a human being who has had, you know, made mistakes and but you know, all of these sort of humanizing things that they give the character right throughout the story. By the end, yeah, I was weeping. I was, you know, I was completely swept up in um, in this man's uh, story. And, I, you know, you just you want peace for the, uh, those individuals. You just you want them to find some sense of peace. Right. Um, do, you, and, do you think uh, do you think. The Samantha Morton character finds peace. I, I thought she did. You know, I, there's a very moving scene where she's laying on him and you can see like moving into old habits, even though it's been forever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. sometimes our connection with people is just, it just never goes away. 
and you know you you slide into these things and i thought it was those were the ones that moved me the most quite honestly was his mm-hmm. with his was his interaction with with uh with the ex-wife character uh yeah. it just it it was it was very interesting to me well, I think it was pretty clear that she still loved him, right? And that she yeah. was still um you know really sad that they that they didn't angry, sure, but 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 emotionally sad that she uh that she lost the love of her life, right? Um at least that's the way it sort of came across. Now, I I think I have a more interesting question posed to you than I, than I think um I may well do you feel any sympathy for Ellie at any point in time in this movie? Because she never really softens a whole lot for me. No. Even even by the end, I, I just think she's after the money. She's she's after the money. She just wants the money. Sure. She's, she doesn't care about him in that way. She's playing him. She's you know, I mm-hmm. I was questioning that until even the very last scene because you know the moment. Des- Yes, he's desperately wanting, right, and finding that and getting close to having that uh, that connection. Um, and so I think she finds peace because he's gone and and she, you know, she gets her her hundred thousand dollars or whatever. Um, I don't know. think she finds peace. You know, if anything, it's his it's his release at the end that's revelatory, right, you know, right. for him. Right, because it's finally over, and I like the way it was handled. Mm-hmm, I do too. Uh, I, th- I thought it was. I was like, oh, "All right," like that. <laughs> you know, I had one of those reactions. I was like, "And scene." Um, yeah, but uh, uh, no, I you know, I don't know. I I think that type of character, the daughter character, the jilted daughter. This is a this is a this is a tough character. I, I think to it's navigate. Yeah, you it's know, it's a trope. Um, and, and, and maybe, and maybe this is an easy way out for myself. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just in, it's left up to you to decide. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think there's any concrete, I, I did not view any concrete evidence of. Well, I just thought it was so, it made me so much more empathetic for Charlie because he was trying so desperately to reconnect with her and she's just so resistant to it. And she's, you know, really kind of mean to her. I mean, she gives him an ambient for Christ's sakes, you know, I mean, she's she mean him. to him. <laughs> and, 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 you know, um, you know, and they're like, do you understand that you could have like killed him like right there? And she's like, oh, just chill out. You know, it's just one or whatever. And I'm like, this girl is operating in her own universe by her own rules and her own ethics. Right. Um, right. Because of what she ends up doing uh, to the guy. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that visits the house. Right. By, by helping with, um, you know, kind of, I, I guess we could say ratting him out. Right. Um, Basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I, I just, I don't know. She was an interesting character that definitely on the second watch, I was like, man, she's so, She's coming across oh. as so resistant this time. I know, time. but look at look at how Brendan Fraser looks at her. Though he's like, "Oh, he she helped him." I'm like, yeah. "Did she, or yeah. did she rat him did out?" Really? Like it's yeah. you know, yeah. What, yeah. it depends again. Yeah. I think that that's just on what side of the fence you want to you kind of want to sit on with it. Yeah, the and how you interpret um, 
you know, uh, even so much so like how you interpret scripture, right? It's like how, the, how yeah. this, it's like, no, this is a positive story. Really? This is a story that's pretty brutal to me, but no, this is a great thing because, you know, she helped him and what, you know, yeah, it's, it's all in, um, you know, how you're perceiving it and how you're interpreting it, which is a great, um, which ties back into religion and all, all of this kind of um, subtext that's, that's, a, that's, definitely i mean i hesitate to even call it subtext because he's not beating you over the head but it's not hard to pick up on no, the subtext no, right? no. He, he, you know he's pretty explicit yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you think this is a companion film for like the wrestler i, I you know i kept thinking about yes. the wrestler you know which is probably his most popular film is is that mm-hmm. safe to say like yeah. people would say yeah, the wrestler so. is his most popular film yeah, I mean, both of them are dealing with, um, you know, sort of the body as a central, um, you know, metaphor for, uh, you know, what the body endures and what the body go through goes through and how what kind of story that tells uh, about an individual. Um, you know, The Wrestler is, a, is an amazing movie. Uh, once again, it's another movie that has like a really strong male performance right in the in the lead with Mickey Rourke and. Um, that's probably his best work, or at oh, least, absolutely. you know, <laughs> definitely on top three. You know, Mickey Rourke's got only got a handful, right? That you could point yeah. to where you go, Oh, that's you mean one. Harley Davidson um, and the Marlboro Man, right? And yeah, not so much, yeah, not so much, <laughs> not so much. Oh, wow, whoa, what Pulled a that throwback. one out, didn't I? Woo, oh, wow. that's right, that's was right. That Don, jo- was Don Johnson in that, Don Johnson is in that, they're literally playing. Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. This exists. Go find it. Be amazed. Ooh. This is the ultimate product placement. Yeah. What was that? It was like a string in the mid '90s of like really bad like action attempts films. at revisionist action westerns or something. I don't yeah. the Cowboy Way. Do you remember that one? With like I remember the Cowboy Way. I remember Stone Girl Cold. Food. You remember that one? Yes. Oh God, oh. yes. Oh my what god. What the hell was that in the mid 90s for like a stretch, man? That was a weird string of films. We we may need to do a small series on those. Is what oh I'm god. <laughs> tell you what, tell you what, anyone listen for those who it are It would probably be one they, of our biggest downloads, right? Is, yeah, is if, that if you want us to like go back and review those, please email us or go over on Discord and let us know and we'll be happy to do that. I'll I'll leave that I'll leave that up to the people listening cuz I I certainly don't want to to torture anybody uh, any more than necessary especially ourselves. We're lonely PhDs. <laughs> I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes, he's Dr. Joseph Watson. We just got done talking about The Whale from Darren Aronofsky, uh 2022 film. Uh up next, Paul Thomas Anderson Licorice Pizza 2021, starring Alana Haim. I think it's Haim. I'm sorry. Uh, Cooper Hoffman, Sean Penn, Bradley Cooper, Benny Safdie. Uh, just a lot of people in this film. Uh, and uh, uh, this film is set in 1973. Uh, follows the development of a uh, relationship between a 15-year-old boy. And we can't ever really pin down her age. I think she lies about her age at one point because Beth. Peter Gruber, he's like, how old are you? And she's like, 20, 20, 28. No, wait, 25. Like that she quickly changes her answer. So I'm not quite sure how old a lot is in the, in the film, but uh, it's uh, this is a strange, again, him sort of revisiting Southern California and trying to tell 
you know, sort of this rambling narrative of young hustlers and figuring life out and the strange occurrences that come from living in the San Fernando Valley, you know, at this time. And one of the things that caught my eye immediately on rewatch, by the way, this was the first film I went back to the movies to see in, in 2021. Like this was the first film film I got to go back to the theater. I masked up and, and went and saw it. Uh, and I was just so delighted to be back uh, in the theater. And, and in revisiting it, I was able to pick out that uh, something for some reason that I hadn't noticed before is just like, oh, it's he's doing a cinematography continuation of Inherent Vice. Like he's now creating for this time frame that he's working in of the early 70s in California, like he's matching it. And I thought that was really fascinating because I'm like, is he is he going to keep building this unit, like keep building this time frame and keep building this universe? I don't know. Nobody ever knows with PTA. But uh, you know, this film, it's, it's as, the only film in his canon I can really compare it to would be Punch Drunk Love, just because it has the same, you know, sort of disconnection of trying to get at, you know, a char character study, but that doesn't quite hit the mark, but yet it's more refined at this point because you've really got, I'm sorry, Bradley Cooper is as Peter's in this is when he shows up in this film, he absolutely destroys it. Like he just kills, you know, with his timing and everything else. But I, of course, am always in love with, with PTA's cinematography, the way he moves his camera, the way he communicates his visual language, the feeling of being free of running of and in this film, especially like the long sequences of seeing people run running through the streets, running through fields, running, 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 like moving, like youth trying to break through here to figure things out, right? And you're laughing. See, you're laughing. I can see. I can see you. <laughs> the hills are alive. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, so, so what, 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 you've got beef. I, I know you've got beef with this. You know I don't like this movie. Um, I so this is uh, the third time that I have seen this movie. Um, because I watched it once, did not like it. Told you about it. You said, "Oh, you you know, I think you know." You told me you really appreciated it and loved it, and 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 uh, that I should give it a second go. So I did. Uh, didn't fix anything. Uh, and I'm I'm uh, um, I guess here to report that. A third viewing, um, other than maybe new appreciation for for some of the cameos that that come in to the to the film, Bradley Cooper was fun. Um, there are a few others that kind of, um, you know, have a good three to seven minutes yeah. of of screen time. Um, I uh, I don't think these actors are very good. Um, I uh, I never. Yes, I. Um, uh, I love Paul Thomas Anderson. You know this. I still have my PTA card, and I think he's um, an extremely important filmmaker because 
he is carrying on a tradition and style of filmmaking that preceded him by Robert Altman and some yes. others. And so, uh, you know, and but he's got his own style. He's incorporated those uh, stylistic conventions into what he does. And that's and he has his own spin on things, you know, so. Uh, you know, Heart Eight, um, uh, Magnolia, Boogie Nights, There Will Be Blood. I mean, the the list can go on about films that he's made, uh, Phantom Thread, right? That are like amazing uh, character studies or or you know amazing um, ensemble pieces from you know a specific era of of time. And he was trying to do that and i i did not really think of the inherent vice sort of uh, world building um i don't know if i needed two hours and 40 minutes of that um you know with mm -hmm. with licorice pizza uh it just it was too meandering for me it was too wandering it was an example of where i wanted more precise cuts i wanted less meandering i wanted a little more control and i think it was really because the film was probably just a little too personal for him and it did not resonate as universally as some of his other stuff has done. I got nothing wrong with the film yeah. per se. I mean, it's his personal, well, what do you, you know, it's, he, he grew up in this time period. He, right. you know, he lived, he lived in the San Fernando Valley. He, he, you know, the, so it was a very heavy nostalgia film for him, obviously. Um, and, and there's nothing inherently wrong about the movie. I just felt in terms of his canon, it's not one of my favorites. It's definitely not one I'm going to watch again. Uh, right. But um, uh, but um, uh, but there's but, you know, um, it, it's not a terrible film. It will speak to some people and I'm glad that it does. It just not me, sir. Well, I, I think it was interesting. <laughs> not this one, sir. Sorry, not this one. All right. Well, I have a few counterpoints for you then. Um, okay. OK, number one, you know. I love the way that time is completely irrelevant in this film. We have no idea how much time passes. Like we, we really don't, there are no clues to the timeline in this film. And I was thinking about it while I was watching it this time. And I was sort of amazed at, again, creating that dreamy aspect of being young and being in love in, 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 pushing forward right and trying you know the days do seem longer right the it, it life is still out ahead of you and time in this film just doesn't matter because these two people are just brought together or magnetized and yeah. they just know they need to be in each other's life you know they're not mm -hmm. sure what that capacity is and this is something so point number two this is something again and again and again, PTA comes back to in his films. You know, his films are essentially, you know, pretty much love stories all the time. Like he's, he's constantly reworking the love story. Uh, yes, people, even There Will Be Blood is a love story. It's a story about a father and a son. So there, there is that love relationship there. But <clears throat> he's constantly refining it and playing with the idea of it. Uh, to the ultimate degree, of course, in Phantom Thread, right? Because that's about masochism and, you know, where love leads you in that way. You know, and going back again, I, I would pair this with Punch Drunk Love because, you know, again, you've got two people who are really unlikable, uh, you know, and not very, you just don't like them <laughs> you know, at all. I mean, Gary's, Gary's greasy, 
And, you know, even when she finds out his little thing about the hand job thing, you know, uh, which I love that moment when he gets in the car and she's just giving him a look like, I know you, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, she's not going to give it away, but it's just like it's, it's such a great moment that he that he that he packs in there. But, you know, usually taking very unlikable people and trying to show their trajectory is fascinating to me. What draws him to this time? And, and time again, what do you think? I mean, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, uh, I, I would I would counter what you're saying by there in this particular example that um, we needed uh, time to be more of a character. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I, I mean, I think it might've even amplified the, um, you know, if we had more of a sense of, of time and flow in the movie, that it would have amplified the, and exacerbated kind of the, um, the passion that you feel when you, you know, when you first meet somebody that you realize is going to be in your life, right. For, for a very long time. Um, uh, I, I don't know. It just, that's the best way that I can think about it is that it, he meanders too much in this one. Um, so, and I feel like I'm wandering too much um, mm-hmm. and that I don't. And so that I just go, this is really not that interesting. Mm-hmm. I really am not very engaged in these characters. Um, they're not very likable. Right. So why am I here? Okay. I'm here to uh, really experience this world building. Right. Um, right. Of, of an, of an era and a time. Uh, and and by that point, I'm disinterested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there like, because I have no characters as my anchor to 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 you know to carry me through? Um, and so, I think that so, was one of the biggest things I had from the from the beginning of it. Right. I just I just so could you, not connect with those characters. So does this does this film work better than if he actually cast actual seasoned actors as Alana and Gary rather than using first time people? Or is it, or is just the script flawed? Are the characters too flawed to be redeemed through other, through other people's interpretation? I mean, I would argue that he probably could have curtailed that a little bit and it would have made them a little more uh, accessible. Um, the, the cat, the, the casting choice, you know, sure. I mean, use beginners, but I, I just, you know, um, if you're going to do that, that comes with a certain risk. Right. Um, and it didn't pay off. For me in this experience if he had done uh seasoned actors i think it might have helped him i mean i'm just gonna throw that out there actors are very good sometimes at at you know <laughs> crafting uh lines and and uh you know making characters their own um and uh yeah I, I don't know. I think maybe that also could have been, um, you know, I know this was an extremely personal film for him. And so, um, you know, maybe that overshadowed, you know, he wanted more control, you know, over how those characters were interpreted and built. And obviously, if you want more control, you use beginner, you know, you use more inexperienced <laughs> actors, uh, you know, um, who need more direction. So, I yeah, I don't, I don't know. It probably would have changed a few things. But, um, but yeah, I just couldn't, I just could not ever find a way to truly connect with them where I was like, oh, I care about them or, oh, I'm interested in how they end up. Or, you know, it was just more like, they're kind of assholes, you know? Oh no, they're complete assholes. <laughs> and yeah. they're kind of oh, no. assholes to each other, you know? And, oh, I, yeah. and, and, and that kind of shtick, you know, works for a while, but it's like, 
you know, okay, I need, you know, I need some variants. I need some different things. But. So is this, so, th so would you say then that this is a missed opportunity at the screwball formula? I, oh, I mean, no, that's an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting argument. Um, yeah. uh, we could chalk it up to that. Sure. Um, I, uh, you think that's what, it, you think screwball comedy was what he was kind of trying to echo? Absolutely. I mean, we've got, I, all I, never got that. Here. I, I never got that yeah. vibe from it you know I because be, because if you've got the love hate thing constantly going on you know uh but yet the trust that's still there uh i i mean we've even got his first you know uh 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 it's not a car chase sequence but it's as close to a car action sequence as i've ever seen uh, uh, him attempt when she takes that van down the hill, uh, which was masterfully done. I thought. Uh, I thought it was a very well executed sequence, uh, and really showed a lot about her. Again, her character, her determination. Like she's she's the alpha, right? Of this of this of this assholeish relationship. Like she's the alpha asshole. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know? definitely. But she also but she also reflects Adam Sandler's character in in. Punch Drunk Love, who's dealing with, you know, siblings, the, the way PTA does siblings, it just makes me wonder about his own growing up, you know, it's just like, was it mm. just so, was it really so yeah. cruel yeah. and antagonistic? Like, you're just, they're at each other's throats, up, up each other's assholes, like, all the time, man, it's like, what are you doing? You know what you're doing, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm the youngest of four, and I was never that antagonistic with, with my brood vicious out there it's vicious out there you got me hung up on this screwball comedy thing um I, I knew i'd get i knew i'd get a hook in you i knew i'd get at least one well uh well i i mean it's a great insight i'd never thought about that combination because there's so few people even trying to to really um honestly sort of echo that genre because that genre was so specific to a time period in, in american history um I'm not saying we still don't see like the ashes of it, you know, spread around different movies, but I, I, that, I don't know that that one's really something well, to think about. Well, if, I mean, it, if, it, if it was that conscious of an effort to do that, like if that's what he was trying to do, then I needed more of an explicit effort. I needed something that. Well, I mean, it's his, that's what I'm saying. Like it's his, but it's his spin on it. You know I mean? It, it's like what I think is also interesting. If you want to get super meta about it. I mean, this is around the time that what's up doc comes out. Right. I mean, if it's in right. that time period, well, which is and kinda... I was thinking that that the, the first time that I saw it, that Gary, the character, I thought, well, this is like a nod to like a young Woody Allen or something, you know, like sure. it's that kind of right. And and. um so I don't know. I mean, may, yeah, maybe paying attention to, you know, culturally what was kind of in and, and what was faddish, you know, at that particular year. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Potentially, but don't you don't so, you think it's disturbing? Yeah. Don't you think it's disturbing though how Gary is treated like an adult constantly? Like that's that's also running throughout the movie. Like everyone treats him like a respectable businessman because he's been in the child acting game for so long. I mean, the the right. the whole way he's treated it like tail of the cock, for instance. Like he's <laughs> he's like a mafioso regular, you know. You sure you want to yeah, come in? I mean, you don't want dine out tonight, sir? It's just like, no, we keep our plans. Table 38 with clear sight lines. That sounds like a Woody Allen script, you know? So, oh, absolutely. It's, yeah, I, yeah. I, so, I, yeah, maybe, I, you know, um, and maybe that was, that was my, sort of my, 
my takeaway was, uh, you know, again, I come back to, it was just, it was just uh, too much. Right. So if, right. if he was infusing this kind of Woody Allen, what's up doc, uh, uh, you know, sort of screwball comedy nods as too much. Mm-hmm. Right. Give um, me, okay. I don't okay. know. I, 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 yeah, I, I just, I've never been able to really connect to this one. And there are a few others of his work, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting that Punch Drunk Love and Phantom Thread uh, are were have been mentioned there because those are two others that are not ones that I would point to as like go tos for his work, right? Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I gravitate more towards the other side of his work, and so, um, uh, I don't, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get at what what that may be that's turning me off to this style of his work versus his other stuff because they do overlap. I'm not saying they sure. don't, but. And no, let me, and as I, as I said at the outset, this is a flawed film. I mean, it's not, I, I don't put, did this you say there. that from the outset? I don't know if you said, I that. did. did that? Yes, I did. Okay. I said, I, this film's it's, right. it's got, it's got problems. Oh, I'm not okay. saying it doesn't have. Problems. Is every film flawed in some of course, way? Of course, every film's flawed, but you know, when we, when we, in, in our circles, when we, you know, canonize directors and writers and creators and you know pta is is for you and i of our generation and and you know he's way up on the list we do critically need to always evaluate it you know i i think that you know with this film i agree that it does run too long it it it, it, it's you know there are some moments that could be cut out absolutely um especially towards the end i think the whole uh, uh, pinball thing, you know, like it, it, that, that seemed to, to need some trim in. And um, there's a very confusing scene in the middle of the film where he gets arrested. Is that the arrest? Yeah, it's the arrest. Yeah. The arrest. Yeah. I, I, you know, in watching it this time, I still, I was just like, okay, well, number one, who, who called the cops and said he fit the description? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's such an I don't know, but it's scene. a very screwball comedy technique. So you know, no, no, I, I know, but yeah, that's, yeah. but, but it, it, that still doesn't mean it doesn't work. It still doesn't work, right? You know, but but yeah, I mean, it's just like mistaken identity and and and, and all that. But I feel like that that could have gone. And I felt like the whole thing with Joel the Joel Walks uh, or Wax thing, you know, that felt unnecessary. Um, it didn't really establish any character development for the uh, other than the the partner saying to her you know all men are shits aren't they like it's just we should just accept it <laughs> that all men are shits and and you know just take take the best of what you can make out of it i suppose right. <laughs> was sort of the walk away right. you know from that so no i i do i, I am with you on this it, it is not his best film and i i i certainly wouldn't recommend it to people um, if they watch it, I'm, I'm happy for them. And I, I, I hope that they, they get something from it. Did, did you get anything from it? anything at all? Uh, not too much. Um, I mean, you know, just some insight into some culture and some, some sort of historiography, uh, and, um, you know, a, a few little kind of fun nods to real people, right? Um, uh, who uh, who existed in Hollywood history. Who, let me um, ask you, who was Tom Waits supposed to be? I can't I can't figure out who that 
director? Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know off the yeah. top of my head. I'd have to I'd have to look it up. Um, I mean, I know Sean know. Penn's supposed to be William Holden, but I couldn't yes. quite figure out who Tom Waits was supposed to be. Other than he's um, always fantastic when he shows. <laughs> yeah he's a great and you know altman used tom waits all the time as well yeah. um uh so I, I i feel like that's what i don't know i'm not going to be able to find it right now but um yeah there so there are some nods uh to um you know to some hollywood history people and so that was you know that was kind of fun but no um not really i actually i just was kind of like you know, 210, 215, I could have stomached 240. It was just like, what is going on? You know, there were just, I was just like, it's just so much, right? Um, uh, so much meandering um, and and uh, and dialogue. And when there's not enough uh, cohesion or, um, you know, uh, maybe demarcations, right, in script uh, time and development uh, of the story, uh, maybe it would have made it a little better for me, but I don't know, man. It's pretty specific. It's pretty slice of life. Uh, the screwball comedy stuff has me thinking, uh, you know, about some things about it that I may, you know, re, you know, revisit at some point. But um, but yeah, not much. Not uh, you know, not as opposed to if you want to talk about movies that are about love, right? The whale in that instance is way more uh, affective than um, than. Uh, than it is um here yeah. yeah 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 with licorice no i completely agree i completely we do yeah. we do hit we have two films this week about love and one of them hits more than the other but you can see where like you know i you were talking about the you know the the frivolity and the excitement and the you know the the passion that exists in that young love you know and so um you know, I think that that it's kind of the expression of what Charlie reminisces about, right? When he first met his when he first meets his love, his yeah. love. You know, yeah. So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying about Licorice Pizza's ability to sort of capture that um, that emotional sense of sensation. Um, that is definitely there, Jeff. But yeah, I just yeah. Overall, uh, yeah. PTA is great. You should see his work. But um, I would, you know, start if you haven't seen his stuff, start somewhere else. You know, and if you come across Licorice Pizza, give it a it's on give Amazon it Prime. There you go. Yeah, it's on. It's it, it's up it. for viewing right now on Amazon Prime. So that's yeah, that's give where it, I'll give it a go. shot. Give it a shot. It did get some Oscar love, right? It got some nominations at least. I think. You know, I you think. know, I'm always in the dark on that. So I'll, I'll take your yeah. word for it. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, granted, that's Hollywood saying. Well, here's who among us we think are you know amazing, but um, uh, but that does say something, you know, being recognized by your peers. But yeah, I um, I think it got some nominations but overall uh was not as well received as uh as some of his other stuff so but yeah it did come out in that covid time i remember that too because i kept trying to see it in the theaters mm -hmm. uh because i was excited about it because it was a pta film and you know i was hearing like some people hated it some people loved it you know and i was like i don't care i just want to see it um you know because i love his work uh but it was showing it like you know <laughs> 10 a.m and then it was showing right. at like 6 well, 30 you know it's like know, the worst times you know to catch well that's the same thing i heard about inherent vice though and i love inherent vice and i yeah, love I the novel you know, i, I mean yeah. i heard incoherent not plausible meandering not able to see now you're, sh see, and you're shaking but, your head but and... i like inherent vice i think it is not those things i think it is 
uh, meandering, but doesn't meander too much. And there's enough story structure going on there to follow with it. I like Inherent Vice a lot. And you're the one that uh, that tuned me into that movie because I had kind of dismissed it because it didn't have a very large uh, release or following. Right. Um, and you were like, hey, Inherent Vice. Make it happen. Check it I out, you know. And I yeah, I saw yeah, yeah, and I saw it, and and I, I it's now in my Blu-ray collection. I love that movie. Um, he he does great work. I just I don't know. There's something about this one. I just this just missed its mark. Just didn't didn't miss its yeah. Just didn't hit. Yeah. Well, we we will not meander like licorice pizza. Uh, if you want to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you want to get in contact with us, it's pretty easy. You can email us lonelyphds at gmail.com. Or you can click on the link in our show notes to our Discord, where we continue talking about all things movies over there. And uh, feel free to head that way. As always, if you would please uh, uh, subscribe, rate, uh, and leave some notes about the show through Apple, Podbean, Google, or wherever you get your podcasting done. We would really, really appreciate that. And until next time, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. Dr. Joseph Watson. We'll see you then. (laughs) 